Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 75. Back in episode 72, we previewed listener Victor Sakal's cruise on the brand new Quantum of the Seas. Victor is returning to the podcast this week to discuss how his cruise went and also to share some great tips he learned about this brand new ship. We've also got great emails to share with all of you. Here we go. Joining me once again on today's show is Victor Sakal, who's back from his Quantum of the Seas cruise. Welcome back to the podcast, Victor. Hello. How are you today? Outstanding. Glad to have you back on here. I am still jealous that you got to go on. And back from Victor, as you may remember, we had him on just a couple episodes ago. We'll put a link in our show notes on royalcaribbeanblog.com. He was on previewing his cruise on Quantum of the Seas, and Victor is back from there. So, Victor, now that you're back from your cruise on Quantum, and given that this is a brand new class of ships and you've cruised on Royal Caribbean before, what struck you about this new class of ships compared to your experiences on other ships in the fleet? First, I was impressed that I liked dynamic dining. I wasn't too much towards that opinion. And I pretty much liked all the technology that they put into the ship and the internet worked perfectly fine for me, pretty much better than the one that I have at home. (laughs) Wow, cool. That's great to hear. You know, one of the things, let's talk about dynamic dining because that's a hot topic these days among Royal Caribbean fans everywhere. And, you know, let me ask you this. Where... Did you make reservations in advance? Did you walk up for your reservations? Was it a combination of both? I made reservations in advance. Okay. And about give or take, were your reservations usually around the same time? Were they different times of the day? Around the same time, around 8.45, 9. Yeah. See, I've got a theory. And I'm, I, I, I've written this before. And, you know, I'm kind of hesitant to, to say it. But I'm going to put it out there. And I think that a lot of the problems that people have found – with a lot of the reports I've had with, with you know, people complaining about long lines and stuff like that, it seems like they tend to be more in the earlier dining times than in the later dining times. I saw that even just on my two-night cruise that I was on. But it sounds like based on your the fact that you had the later dining, you also you didn't experience any of those lines or, or anything like that, right? No, the restaurants were full, but we got past perfectly. For example, the first night, our reservation was at 9.30. Mm-hmm. We were tired from all the process of embarkation and everything first day. We walked up to American Icon at 7, and they just passed us quickly to the restaurants and weighed perfectly. We didn't even wait two minutes in line. Cool. Let's talk about the restaurants in general. Uh, let's go through the restaurants, and, and you tell us, since you know which ones you ate at, uh, which ones you ate at, and kind of give us your thoughts on each one. Okay. American Icon, I liked it. Not a fan of it that I would go every night, but it was okay. Okay, sure. On Coastal Kitchen, which is the street restaurant, it was really good for breakfast. We loved skipping the lines from the Windjammer, which was packed every morning. Absolutely. That's, that's there wasn't one right time there. of the Windjammer that there wasn't a line. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and then... We went to Wonderland, which we did not enjoy at all. Oh, why didn't you enjoy it? We did. It was weird. <laughs> to say the least, the yes, soup, that, that's true. <laughs> the soup was good. I liked that. Then we got those little pate, little balls that they have, the liquid, the liquid ones. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. We, we tried them and pretty much it ruined our taste for the rest of the food. You know, I will say, so Wonderland is the restaurant that's themed to kind of that Alice in Wonderland uh, uh, theme that's going on there. Not to reuse the same word twice. And the thing with it is I, it's, it's definitely, there's a lot of pizzazz and, and show to it. The thing with it is the food, I find the food very, like none of the food on the menu, very few of the food on the menu, I would say, was anything that I would be like, yeah, I, you know, like, this is my favorite kind of food, but it, it's a very much, it leans towards an adventurous palate. So I can see that, but I think part of the appeal of Wonderland is the show aspect to it, right? Because I think that was pretty yes. cool, like the the painting, your menu, and of oh, the menu and how they bring you the dessert menu and everything. That's I like that experience, but the yes. food itself wasn't that. I like, for example, it, it, my mom who loves cooking and she pretty much knows everything about food, which sometimes drives me crazy that she knows that much about it, but. <laughs> She tried those and she then she got the beet salad that she actually likes and she couldn't even eat it because of the taste that we had gotten earlier. Ah, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. I said in And in then we review. got the beef at the end, which was really good, that we were told it was cooked for two days, so Cool. I wrote in my review that the the thing about Wonderland, I think it's worth experiencing because of, again, the show factor to it. But it's not a restaurant that I would say, hey, we need to eat there like two or three times a cruise. Like, that's just not. I think. And then what we decided that only for the show aspect, it's they price it too expensively at $40 per person. Yeah, it is. It is one of the pricey ones. You're right. But hey, you ate there once. You you got the experience. So there you go. It's vacation. Yep. Chalk's did- pretty much the best one in the Royal Caribbean fleet that I have been to. Nice. I like to hear that. They changed it a little bit, but it's really good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, any other restaurants you ate at? We did the Grand. Oh, yes. Did you dress up? Yes. That was, that was the only one that we had prob- get problems getting into. Okay. And it's reasonable. It was Christmas Eve. Everybody wanted to go there because it was pretty much everybody already was in formal well because of the night and people wanted to go there. And it was a huge line even for reservations. Hmm. So we were waiting for one hour to get seated, but it was worth The line was worth it. Good. We had the Escargot, which we ended up getting three orders when we only ordered one. <laughs> That's a good and problem. And of lobster, they ended up bringing also four orders per person when we only ordered one. <laughs> well, so it, I, hope you, I hope you liked it them. Probably got, <laughs> the system probably got, got them a stop, but it was good that it got them a stop. Yeah, it worked out for you guys. Cool. Yep. Um, and then also tried Jamie's Italian for lunch. What did you think of that? It was, re- it was good. I liked Giovanni's table better on Oasis and Allure, but it it was good. Okay, yeah, definitely kind of a different experience than those, but that's good to hear that it's it's worth trying. I'm looking forward to trying that myself. And for snacks, I loved the Cafe at 270. Oh yeah, did you get those roast beef sandwiches? Yes. Yes, that's a must. These are the same roast beef sandwiches that you can find on the Oasis class in Park Cafe, and they are amazing. Yes, and I found the Cafe at 270 much better than the Park Cafe. Oh, yeah, there's it's a great selection. In fact, the uh, Cafe at, Park at 270 is one of – I think it's really a hidden gem in terms of 
you know, especially for counter service food, if you're looking for a great meal, in fact, if you're looking for a great alternative to the Windjammer, it's actually a really nice choice because a lot of people just don't go there. It's in the back of the ship and it's just kind of, again, it floats under that radar. So if you're looking for a quick little snack and some good choices, it's hard to go wrong there. So, and for breakfast, it's really good because there's no one there that I discovered breakfast accidentally because I was walking in the morning through the ship mm-hmm. and I saw that they were setting up for breakfast and it was really good. Nice. I like to hear that. There you go. A good uh, tip right there. Thank you. So let's talk and about... And 270, also one of my favorite venues of the ship. That's good. I was going to ask you. If you could pick the three best things about Quantum Seas, it could be anything. It could be a restaurant. It could be a venue. It could be a show. It could be an activity. Whatever. But on the ship itself, what do, you, what do you think they would be if you had to pick three of the best things about Quantum of the Seas? The robo screens. Yep. The 270. Yep. And to North Star. Ooh, North Star. All right. So the robo screens, 270 North Star. Let's talk about North Star. What was your experience like there? Did you have a long wait? No. The first day that we got there at Cape Liberty, I went there 10 minute wait, got there fast. It only went up and down. Yep. Then on day three in Port Canaveral, I did it again at night. Perfectly, not no wait, 20 minutes, pretty much. And then when I did have the wait, it was in Coco Cay, which it was going to the side of the ship, like a 60-minute wait. But Okay. Well, certainly port days, it sounds like, are a good option because obviously, just like everything else, I mean, everyone's off the ship, right? So it gives you a little less competition. Yes, and also on sea days, it takes more time since it's going off to the side of the ship than only up and down. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, right. It's because the on, obviously to go in other directions requires more time. So there's less people that can handle per hour, as an example. So that in- decreases its capacity. So good little tip there. I like that, Victor. Thank you. Now, what do you think? Where, where do you think Royal Caribbean could improve with Quantum? I think it could improve in quantum with how it's working with the Royal IQ app. Oh, okay. Tell, tell us about this. Is of course, the smartphone app. Right now, it's only available for iOS devices. They are working on an Android device, but it has not come out yet. But tell us why you uh, think they can improve with that. We bought the package for the message and unlimited phone and message. Yes, And it was useful, but the thing is that when someone is trying to call you through Royal IQ, you just get like a text notification, and it's not ringing as a phone. Oh, interesting. I was calling someone in my party, and they did not answer the phone, and it was because it was only one notification, and it didn't give them time to really hear the phone. Got it. See, we use the Royal Connect phones on Oasis of the Seas, which is a similar concept. I mean, these are actually, they give you an iPhone to use. And we found that text messaging was far more efficient for the same reason, Victor. Sometimes, like, calls wouldn't go through or there'd be issues with no, with knowing that the calls were coming through. Um, and so that, uh, so I could totally understand where you're coming from with that. So that's good. Some good, that's some good, uh, feedback because obviously the Royal IQ for kind of people who are kind of paying attention here, Royal IQ is the app. This app is going to be eventually, this is going to go fleet wide. They're going to, they want to, they don't want to be issuing iPhones that cost, you know, hundreds of dollars that people break. They want to be able to have people just bring their own phones. You know, they bring their own phones, which they're going to do anyway, and then load their apps on there and be able to use that. It makes a little, it makes sense for everybody involved, but obviously improving the app is certainly something Royal Caribbean is uh, going to be working on. So good info. I, I like that's uh, some good tidbits here. Um, let's talk about your stateroom. Which stateroom category did you have, and what what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? We had a Skyloft suite. 
and nice. we liked everything about it. <laughs> is it it's is difficult it not to like something about that state room. <laughs> yeah, what is, is it as beautiful as it looks? Yes. Wow, oh, I'm jealous, man. That's that's it's great. Now, laid out even better than the ones that on the Oasis and the Allure that we had one on the Oasis, since it's the living room is on the inside and not how it used to be on the outside on the open space, so it's more private. And it deck? has a walk closet. Oh, nice. I was going to ask you, what what deck was your stateroom on? Ten and eleven. Oh, that's not bad. Because I was going to ask you no. if, you're, if you were going to tell me like 13 or 14 or something like that, and that's kind of higher up, and I didn't know if that was going to be. But 10, that's you're you're basically in the middle, towards the top-ish, but yeah. you know, it's, not like, it's not a big deal to get down to the Royal Esplanade or, or anything like that. You know, no. like you're like, okay. And I did most of it walking through the stairs and everything since it was sort of middle distance of everything. Nice. That, that's very healthy of you. It's always a good five way to, Five decks you know, up, I had the pool deck. Five decks down, I had the splade. <laughs> I like it. Cool. Well, Victor, I'm going to ask you. Uh, let's, let's leave it here. If someone was going on Quantum of the Seas tomorrow, what would your advice be? What would you, what advice would you give them? Go on the North Star. Try Ripcord. It looks bad, but it's not. Oh, did you it's do a Ripcord? wonderful experience? Yes. Cool. And I have to, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what I mean was it was it scary? Did you hurt? I mean, did you bang into anything, or or is it pretty straightforward? And you had, and it's straightforward. It. it looks scary when you see it at first. Like you just see people flying in the air on a tube, <laughs> and then when you try it, it doesn't feel bad. It's you don't even feel the air pushing on you, or you going down against the air. And your instructor will take care of you and tell you if you're doing something wrong and fix it immediately and for you to have a great experience and it was great cool cool any other what other advice you have see star water that's a good show i like pretty much see all the shows because they're great mama mia was better than the version i have seen on land wow that's saying something and sonic odyssey the music is amazing I want to check that. I didn't get a chance to see Sonic Odyssey on my cruise, but that's gonna. It sounds like it's a really cool thing, and I think you're right. All the entertainment they do a top notch job with. So these yes. featured shows, you got You got to see that. Yes. Very good. Well, Victor, thank you as always. Oh, pleasure to have you on here, and I, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for having me. Time to answer your listener questions, comments, emails, and everything else I've gotten thrown my way this week. And always a pleasure. I love doing this. Thank, thank you again for everyone for checking out the podcast. It's a brand new year, and I'm hoping this year is going to be even better for everybody, including yourself. So thank you for checking this out. And let's start with things off with an email from one of our good friends, Christopher Percy, who's actually writing to us about episode 72, which was the episode Victor, who in this episode appeared on first. And he writes, first, I am jealous of Victor and his family as they prepare for their quantum cruise, a terrific cruise celebrate Victor's birthday, and also his parents' anniversary. In a nice week, too, Victor knows how to cruise. And Victor planned early 400 days ago and has done his homework on the ship and all she has to offer, safe cruising Victor and family. And, you know, Christopher, you picked up on something right there, and that is the planning ahead. Now, you don't have to go crazy. 400 days is a bit much, but... I will tell you that, especially with Quantum of the Seas, and this will hold true for Sister Ship Anthem of the Seas and Ovation of the Seas, is you've got to do your planning for these kinds of cruises. Quantum of the Seas, these Quantum-class ships are built to be planned ahead. Royal Caribbean wants you. It's no, it's no coincidence that they built all these new apps 
and planning the software for you. It's not just like, hey, we're making it better. This is a, hey, we're making it better and it's going to make your life easier if you plan ahead. So do yourself a favor, book things like restaurant reservations and entertainment well in advance. So that way you're not running into problems and waiting in long lines. I think that's really a critical aspect to a successful Quantum of the Seas cruise. Let's move on to our next email and it is from... Patrick McTaggart, and Patrick writes, I booked a cruise on Rhapsody of the Seas in June for an 11-night cruise, and my travel agent advice is that I can purchase a drink package for myself, as my wife does not drink, but this has to be booked on board, as I haven't booked directly with Royal Caribbean. Also, I've just read that the drinks package does not include a service charge, and if so, how does this work, and how much is it? Good questions all around. So first of all, you can pre-purchase the drink package. You actually do this on RoyalCaribbean.com. You go to the cruise planner section of your cruise, and you definitely pre-purchase this. You're going in June, so you got that's close enough. You should be able to purchase it. As for your other question, you did hear correctly that the pricing has changed in terms of the service charge on the beverage packages. When you go to RoyalCaribbean.com, or you can go on board and book them, but I recommend doing it online. Just save yourself some time. Going there, you're going to see a certain price. So as an example, you'll see like the select package is $35 per person per day. Premium is $49 per person per day. And the ultimate is $55 per person per day. Wow, that sounds great, Matt. You know, uh, those are the prices, right? Well, not so much. They change the prices because they've those prices omit the gratuity that's added on top of the packages. Gratuity is something you're going to have to pay. It's included when you go to buy the package, it'll charge it to you automatically. But that's included. It's going to call the service charge, and that'll be added automatically when you go to purchase it. But once you purchase the package then you don't pay any additional gratuity for the actual drinks when you get the drinks on board, unless you actually want to. Maybe some the bartender's really nice and you have excellent service and you want a tip, more power to you. But Royal Caribbean will attack on the service charge. It's kind of like when you go to a store and you buy anything retail and you know here's the price, but then they add tax to it. Same idea. They're adding the gratuity. They used to group the package price and the gratuity together, but I think they're doing this now to separate them by... It looks like the price is actually lower than it is. So just keep that in mind. Don't worry. It's just when you get to buying it, they'll add it on there. And it's a couple dollars more, you know, obviously for the gratuity. So the real price has come out to the select package is $40.25 per person per day. The premium package is $56.35 per person per day. And the ultimate is $63.25 per person per day. I'll actually put a link in our show notes on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Patrick, so you can get actually a breakdown of how this all works. So this wasn't clear when I was talking to you. You can see a more visual element to it. So I'm for you to keep in mind. And there you go. Hopefully that'll work out for you. Next, we have an email from Christy, my good friend from Michigan. And Christy writes, hi, Matt. I booked a one-night stay at the new Orlando Four Seasons. I was able to get a great discount before my March cruise. To save money, I would like to eat off-site at least for dinner. Do you have any recommendations of nearby places that won't break the bank? For convenience, we'll probably just pay through the nose for the breakfast buffet before heading out to the ship. Great questions. Now, I used to actually live in the Orlando area, so I'm fairly familiar with this. The Four Seasons is actually on Walt Disney World property, so it's right near Walt Disney World, as you might imagine. And there's actually a couple of great options. Eating at Walt Disney World can be expensive. I don't think it's probably what you would necessarily want to do. But with a little short drive, you can actually get access to a couple of different good places to eat for not a lot of money. The closest area to you is actually going to be what's on Route 535. It's right outside downtown Disney, and it's basically... Uh, kind of near the exit uh, 68 on I-4. Basically, you'll put in your GPS if you were to go to Route 535. You'll see it over there, I promise. And basically that road, there's a little shopping area right outside downtown Disney, and there's a number of great little restaurants, in fact, 
that offer a lot of different options. One of my favorites, Giordano's is an Italian restaurant, great family. There's actually a Mexican restaurant. It's changed names a couple different times, same thing. It's actually really nice, in fact, for families. It's right next door to Giordano's on Route 535. Just around there, oh, there's a Moe's, there's a Fuddruckers. Moe's is a Mexican. Fuddruckers is a burger, actually one of the best burger places out there, in fact. If you're willing to drive a little bit more, if you want to kind of more of an adventure, not an adventure, you know, in, in bad way, just takes longer to get there. There's a couple more options for you to choose from. If you drive down 535 to all the way down to the Osceola Parkway, you can take that east and there's about there's an area called the loop it's probably from your hotel i would say it's about 20 25 minutes and there's a number of great restaurants there's a shopping area and there's a there's a restaurant called bj's restaurant and brew house there's a great little asian diner called payway it's basically good fast asian food there's a menchie's if you want to get some little ice cream afterwards that's a, there's a couple different there's a macaroni grill panera there's a lot of different restaurants there, so that's kind of another hub of, of food for you. If you want a really great Italian restaurant, family restaurant, I really love it. It's a little more, for you, it's like there's a Disney World property. You gotta go down to 192 and then go west on 192. You'll run into, you'll pass Disney World and it's called Bruno's Italian. I'd say from your hotel, probably again, with, with traffic, 20, 25 minutes. It's called Bruno's Italian. It's a great restaurant, one of my favorites, in fact. And it's just an Italian little joint, family-owned, wonderful little place. Those are the areas really around you. I mean, you go to downtown Orlando, that's more of a haul. I mean, you're talking probably sort of 30, 35 minutes. And traffic in the Orlando area can never be it, it can never be easy. So there's some options. I hope hopefully one of those will help you. There's a lot, you know, 192 in general has some good options. There's a lot of fast food and, and tourist trap stuff, but kind of the areas I talked about give you some good non-garbage tourist food. So, you know, some good choices for you as well. Now, Christy also asks, we're cruising out of Port Canaveral. What time would you recommend arriving at the port or rather leave the hotel? I will have a rental car to return locally in Port Canaveral. We're traveling with my 21-month-old, so I don't want to sit at the pier forever waiting to board. He won't do well with the waiting. Another good question. So, I would leave your hotel probably around 9 or 9.30 at the latest. That'll put you in Port Canaveral Assuming there shouldn't be any traffic because you're probably going on a Sunday, I'm imagining, which there is no traffic on that road at that time of day. Probably in the ballpark of 10, 10 30, depending on how fast you drive. I would recommend going to the pier first, dropping off your luggage, your 21 month old, and everyone else, and then you or one adult brings the car back to the rental car place and just return the car that way and then take the shuttle back. That way, you are only bringing one person on that show. And these shuttles are very small. They're like vans, essentially. So to fit like your family and all your luggage, that takes a lot of space. And there may not you may have to wait a van or two. But if you're just going just yourself, one person with no luggage, you can fit on any van. There'll be plenty of room for that. So that way you'll get back quicker. And that's going to be the best thing. Getting If you get to the port around that 10, 10.30, somewhere between 10 and 11 a.m. essentially, you'll be one of the first people to get on the ship. You also get more vacation time. Your vacation starts earlier, blah, blah, blah. It's all good stuff. That's when I always did it when I go on there. And when I go down in July for Freedom of the Seas, I will be doing the exact same strategy, Christy. So if it works for me, I'm telling you it's going to work for you, and I hope you have a great time. Very good. Always appreciate the emails from our friends and who are regulars. And, of course, we want to hear from you. If you've never heard from you, we love getting new listeners here and, and people who are getting an opportunity to share your voice and your thoughts, questions. We want to hear about everything about Royal Caribbean. So if you've got it, email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Love hearing from all of you. It really makes a big difference to hear all that. And I really appreciate all the support everyone gives us. Man, you guys really make this podcast such a pleasure 
for me to be able to do. And real quick, we wanted to, of course, mention, you know, those iTunes reviews I mentioned in a couple other episodes. If we get some reviews on iTunes, we would read them on here because I want to say it's, it's my way of saying thank you because leaving those great reviews on iTunes helps other people find the podcast. And we've got a great review from Lee CM8. And Lee writes, Matt does a nice job mixing tips for Royal Caribbean fans, old and new. He's enthusiastic without being a blind cheerleader for the cruise line. I took my first Royal Caribbean cruise last fall, so that's when I started listening, and I'm sure it will inspire me to book more. Awesome. Thank you so much for the review. Really makes my day. I love reading those things. And, of course, again, it all helps the podcast. So, for everybody, (laughs) thank you all for checking out the podcast. Man, love it when we can help spread the Royal Caribbean love. So, until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.